Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. What a gift to be with you, friends. Thank you for your warm welcome of me and my family. I want to especially thank the search committee, Rod Malcolm's group, Pastor Lori and Elaine and the staff. What a beautiful church you have. And I don't mean the building. I mean your faces and your story and your life together. And now you and I get to embark together on the adventure of being the church of Jesus Christ in this time and place. And that's the greatest good thing there is. When the second longest serving queen in England's history, Queen Victoria, contemplated her end, that's something we all have to do. She's reported to have said this thing I love. She said she hoped for the return of Jesus Christ in her lifetime so she could remove her crown and place it at his feet. Perhaps an overly pious story, I realize. But it gets at something important about the relationship between human and divine power. It is hard to believe how long Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II reigned. Longer than any British monarch in history. Most of us have never sung God Save the King before. You have to have memory back before 1952 for that. But there is another monarch whose reign is not just long, it's eternal. I'd planned a sermon today that would introduce me a little, uh, give you a sense of how I see things. There'll be time for that later. For now, the head of state in Canada and a figure beloved throughout the world has recently died. At the church, we had to scramble a little bit to find a Union Jack. We had one, but it's in glass over here, regimental colors from the First World War. We wondered if it was an emergency break glass sort of situation. It's been striking for me living in Canada for seven years and in the UK for a sabbatical in the middle of that time, that Canada and Britain are so much closer than my native USA. Many of you or your families have come here in living memory. You or your parents or your grandparents were born in Britain. My people came from France to the U.S. South 300 years ago. Growing up, I didn't know anyone who was one generation removed from Europe. Here in Toronto, we live in the heart of British North America, English Canada. So you grew up singing about the sovereign. She adorns walls. She's on the money. She's on the stamps you paste. Her words punctuate Christmas holidays. Anyone with a conscience on this globe paused on Thursday to notice the gravity of what had happened. And more than that, many loved her and mourned her loss personally. 
Now, as a newcomer to constitutional monarchy and a newcomer to Canada, I feel this loss also. Queen Elizabeth embodied things that are in short supply in our culture. Dignity, loyalty, duty. In my country and in other places, we've taken to electing people who shout vitriol. She would have none of it. She put the institutions she served first, and herself and her family second. And that's hard to find. And she's done it since Churchill's day for 15 prime ministers. She met the last one on Tuesday before her death on Thursday. She was one of the last of our links to that generation that won the war in Europe, delivered the world from tyranny. It sort of felt like she'd be there forever. And then suddenly, if you can say suddenly about a 96-year-old, she wasn't. That'll be true for all of us too one day, friends, and sooner than we would like. Now, the thing I admire most about this queen is she would have agreed with her great-grandmother Victoria's comment. There's a scene in the Netflix series, The Crown, where young Elizabeth is preparing for her coronation, and she's trying on that physical crown that's too big for her small head, and it's wobbly, and it doesn't fit right, and so she asks the man whose job it is to keep the thing, can I borrow it for a while? (laughs) And he says borrow it. (laughs) Ma'am, if it's not yours, whose is it? But of course, she did borrow it, didn't she? From the British people and from God. Every crown is borrowed from Jesus, who is all power and authority. And they're only borrowed for a moment, even if that moment lasts 70 years. And then they're all given back, surprisingly soon. There is no way around our mortality. From the time when she first borrowed that crown until she gave it back last Thursday, Elizabeth II wore it in a way that reflects Jesus, whose crown is of thorns, whose throne is a cross, and whose return one day will make the world right. Now, you and I have crowns, too, places of authority and power in our lives. Power just means we can influence other people. We can either demean them or honor them, belittle them or love them. We also have borrowed crowns due back one day with an account of how we wore them. The last hymn today we'll sing with Charles Wesley about a day when we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Until we throw that crown, let's wear it however wobbly and ill-fitting in a way that shows others Jesus and his crown of thorns. The passage you heard from Genesis is a strange one. Or Joshua had to read some of the hardest names in Scripture. He did it right. Did you notice? You just run right through them. No one else knows how to pronounce them 
either. Now, maybe it's not surprising that the Genesis passage is odd. Find me a passage in Genesis that's not odd. It'll take you a long time. Now, the strangeness in this passage is that Abram, our forefather in faith, has just won a battle. Now, Abram is not spoken of as a warrior anywhere in Scripture except here. But in this story, he's flush with victory, loaded with spoils, coming home. He returns triumphant, and he meets two kings, the king of Sodom and Melchizedek, king of Salem. Abram is no king. Abram is a believer. He's a forerunner of faith for us. Here he's briefly a warrior for two verses. Abram is always obedient to God, but he is no king. Israel has no king until Saul, much later. And King Saul's reign does not go very well. None of the kings of Israel rule very well. Uh, Someone here suggested I preach on a passage on one of the kings of Israel. I couldn't find one that wasn't critical of royal power. Not really the right vibe for this week. So Abram meets these two kings in the king's valley. And one of them, Melchizedek, you have no idea who he is. (laughs) He drops into the story here. And then he drops out of the story just as quickly. But look what he does. He brings bread and wine to Abram. He blesses Abram by the living God, Most High. Abram gives him one-tenth of everything. Whoever this Melchizedek is, he's a very powerful figure. More important than Abram, who's the first believer in the Bible. The word Melchizedek means righteous king. And many Christians have looked at the story of this righteous king and seen a glimpse beforehand of Jesus, our righteous king, because he feeds us with bread and wine. He blesses us by God the Most High. We give him a tenth as a sign that he owns everything and that he rules over the nations. Now, our Jewish neighbors would disagree, and that's perfectly their right. But we Christians look for Jesus everywhere. And when we find him, we delight. Maybe even right here. Human monarchies are sometimes better, sometimes worse, approximations of Christ's rule. I admire the British monarchy for the way it lets people who lose elections show they're still loyal to the crown, they're just not loyal to the policies of the government in power. See, in my country, the U.S., parties accuse one another of treason, so often it's not even news anymore. In a constitutional monarchy, you fight your fiercest, and then you both sing the monarch's praises, and you know it's not personal. So at best, a head of state who's different than the head of government can make for a more peaceful order. My country seems to know who it is by who it's shouting at or who it's pointing weapons at. That paranoid style is why 50,000 Americans left the new U.S. and moved to what would become Canada after the Revolution. That exodus is part of Canada's founding story, to reject a paranoid, victimizing style of government. 
I admire that story so much too. I, I joined the train to Canada just a few hundred years later. When my family crossed over into Canada in 2015, I told our youngest, Will, who was eight at the time, hey, you know, Elizabeth's queen of Canada too, right? And he said, oh, that means we're not free. <laughs> He'd been well indoctrinated by America. We've tried to teach our sons and anyone who listened that true freedom is serving the true king. And that's an uphill battle for all of us to learn. A friend of mine from Trinidad in the Caribbean wrote me upon hearing of the queen's death. One of the successes of the late queen was her ability to take a decaying empire and reforge it into a more collegial commonwealth, including Canada. My friend said this, quote, We loved her throughout the Caribbean, a most gracious Christian person, the last of her kind, I think. I can remember in my childhood when she visited our island. It was a huge national event with celebrations. Truly, she was one of a kind. Now, isn't that interesting? It's like her memory of Trinidad, her home, is different because Elizabeth set foot there. But of course, the queen would deflect, as she would always do, and say, no, no, she was different, better, blessed, for having set foot in Trinidad. One of the great forebears of our Christian faith, St. Athanasius, says the whole earth is honored when the Son of God comes among us in flesh. Every human face shines just a little because God has a human face. Now, as much as I admire the British monarchy, and I might have laid it on a little thick here, it's only a thousand years old. And that's not very long in the human span of time. I mean, to be a thousand years old is great. Don't get me wrong. This building was built 110 years ago trying to look like it's a thousand years old. And it's magnificent. We're trying to grow our roots as deep as we can, deep in our tradition. That's a fine thing. A thousand years is not bad. The British monarchy is a good deal older than the British Parliament. That's impressive. Now, here in North America, we're amazed when any building dates from like the 1700s. But as soon as you go to England, someone will show you a building that's two, three, five times as old as our countries. It's impressive. They expect us to be impressed. And it's cool. Here's the thing. The church in England is well more than half a millennium older than the monarchy in England. Three times as old as the British Parliament. When the first Christians came to the British Isles, there would not be a king of all England for another 600 years. Now, that's a long time, right? Well, our Jewish neighbors would point out that Abram is much older still. Before Christ, before the prophets, before the kings, before Moses, there was Abram. Wrestling and believing in the God of Israel. Abram is the first one whom the living God says to go, leave your people. Go to a land I will show you that they've never seen you before in and you've never heard of. I will make your descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. And Abram says, okay. 
And he goes with nothing more than a promise he couldn't prove. That's thousands of years before anyone had ever thought of the idea of England. Now, of course, in geological time, Abram is not that long ago. (laughs) The world being billions of years old as it is. Anyone feeling humbled yet? (laughs) I was talking to one of you this week who's approaching 90 years old, and your observation was how fast it's all gone. A blink of an eye ago, and you were a kid. Well, in the history of God's people, a blink of an eye ago, and Abram was meeting the kings in the valley of the kings. One reason Elizabeth Windsor was so beloved is she's been a fixture in people's lives for so, so long. And we're happy about it. Here's this thing about executive power. I come from a church in the U.S., the Methodist church, that has bishops. And so lots of other church people will say to me, I wish we had a bishop. And I say, "Uh uh-uh, you wish you had a good bishop. (laughs) You only need one bad bishop to swear you off bishops forever. We have no bishops in the United Church of Canada. But one good queen, like we just had, Makes, we, makes me wish we had a monarch forever. You know what I'm saying? I shudder when people say that we get the leaders we deserve. Please, Lord, give us better leaders than we deserve. But what did we do to deserve Elizabeth? She was better than we deserved. And now her borrowed crown rests at Jesus' feet. Queen had a friendship with a fellow North Carolinian of mine. In my home state, we have a debate about who's the most famous son from North Carolina. There's an argument to be made for Michael Jordan, the first sports icon of the cable television era. And there's an argument to be made for Billy Graham, the evangelist who's spoken to more people about Jesus maybe than anyone who's ever lived. The Queen had a personal friendship with one of those two. That is Mr. Graham. Here's what interests me about that. The monarch is the supreme governor of the Church of England. She could have summoned any priest or any bishop from that great church, and they would have been at her door in no time. Who does she befriend instead? A backwoods evangelist from the state of North Carolina. Now, I think that shows character and good taste besides. Now, Her son, Charles III, takes the name of previous monarchs for whom the Carolinas are named. Carolinas is Charles in Latin. There are connections everywhere. You see it, right? Okay, that one was a little more tenuous, I grant. Now, I should note that the churches that made up the United Church of Canada, Methodist, Reformed, and Congregationalist, we're still called non-conforming in Britain. That is, we're not part of the established church. We're not part of the Church of England. We're not subject to Her Majesty's Supreme Governorship. People have bled over this question (laughs) for centuries. Billy Graham grew up in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, which is a church that broke off from a church that broke off from the church that broke off from the Church of England. And then the two of them become friends. I mean, monarchs in her office, part of their job used to be to kill people like him. You see what the Lord Jesus does. If you follow him, draw closer to him, 
you'll find yourself making friends with people you would not have chosen. Jesus Christ is the only way to life. And when you draw close to him, you got to draw close to all his weird friends. There's a story from the campus of the University of British Columbia. I taught at the Vancouver School of Theology the last seven years. There's a beautiful Japanese garden there, and a friend of mine in Japanese studies told me this story. In the 1980s, the emperor of Japan visited, and he asked to have a small group of students meet with him, and so they arranged the little gazebo in the garden for him to meet with the students, and they set up the cameras and everything, and he came and sat down with seven or eight UBC students, and he started asking them questions. Now, they thought this was going to be a photo op, and so his minders started looking at their watch and clearing their throats and acting nervous, and he finally said, go away. Power has some advantages. And he started asking the students questions like, well, where are you from? And what are you studying? And how is what you're studying going to make the world a better place? Three hours later, the emperor emerged, knowing their names and their stories. And I can't help but wonder, do these students know what kind of privilege they just had? I mean, this was an emperor who wouldn't even mix with common people until after World War II, right? Japan also had to modernize its monarchy and balance it with democracy and all the rest. And I bet some of those students probably did know what a treat they had, right? And some of them didn't. Living briefly in England and then even here, I hear of folks who had personal encounters with the queen. My dad lived in Scotland one summer and snapped a really good photo of her driving by in a car. Others saw her here or there. Some of you have letters from her. Few people get quality time with someone like that, where they know your name and your story and remember you by face. A friend of mine's a pastor in London. He got a phone call five minutes before church started. Her Majesty the Queen is coming to your church this morning. Click. (laughs) He tried to control his breathing, tried to stop his sweating. He went to put on his chasuble, which is that green poncho thing that the Anglicans wear, right? And he looked at himself in the mirror, and there was a black streak across the front of the chasuble, like a truck had run over it and then backed up and run over it again, just for good measure. Three minutes until service now. What's he do? Well, he does what any person wearing one of these strange, funny robes would do. He takes that thing off, turns it inside out, flips it around backwards, puts it on, and goes and meets her majesty, (laughs) who was a picture of grace, as always. And then the two of them together turned and faced the altar and worshipped the only king who can save the only monarch who can forgive sins. It sort of sounds exciting to imagine the king coming to church, right? But you know the real king is here with us now. You do know that, right? And here's the thing. You knew that where this was going. We do get to spend time with our monarch, our emperor. 
The Lord Jesus gets born not just in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but in each of our hearts when we believe in him. He gets born in our mouths and in our stomachs when we feed on him at the Lord's table. He gets born again anytime anyone on this planet does something good and true and beautiful instead of false and hurtful. He knows the secret we won't ever tell to anyone else. And you know what? We can't shock him. We can't disappoint him. We can't send him away. He loves us. And nothing we can do can make him love us less or more than he does right now. Queen Elizabeth trusted this king as her savior. Do you? Do I? Amen.